back to Starman's podcast. Hello. Why do you have to shock their ears every time you do an intro? Why do you have to be so mean? What if I want to on purpose? Uh, yeah, well, I guess if you listen to this in the morning. Um, wake the fuck up. It's your little oomph in the morning. Yeah, wake the fuck up. <laughs> wake up. You take, a, you take like a sip of coffee and then it's like, welcome to Starman's podcast. You're like, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I don't see any problem with that. You're the I, only one who I does. No, I'm... I'm I'm uh, condoning it. Is that the word I want to use? No. That's not the word I want to use. It's fine. I support Anthony's it. in a mood today, so. I'm uh, I'm fine. Oh. Everything's fine over here. Everything's so good over here, too. I'm just, just fucking co- fantastic. Just coasting. <laughs> Life has been great. <laughs> Goddamn. All right, so what are we talking about? We're going to talk about the White Island eruption out in New Zealand. White Island eruption. Yes. Also known as Wakari. I don't know what, what that is or where it is. It's but... right off the coast of the North Island of New Zealand. That's where White Island is. And in 2019, there was a wicked, wicked eruption with a lot of people right at the top of the volcano. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was wild, so. All right. So, yeah. If you haven't already, go buy our merch. Yeah, check out our merch. Check out Starmans.live for everything Starmans. TikTok. Let's go buy a sticker. Email, stickers, shirts, yeah. t-shirts. Ooh, t-shirts too. That would be uh, mint or starmint. Star <laughs> Ew, never again. Okay, so you guys are definitely in for a wild ride and another natural disaster, essentially. So, um, unfortunately, this one involves tourism. A lot of really people who sacrificed and went back to help save people. And unfortunately, as well, another or a lot of casualties. Shit. But as always, geology first. So, also known as Wakari, White Island is a stratovolcanic island 30 miles off the North Island of New Zealand. It is named because of its geologic materials make the island actually like look white. So if you go into Google Maps and you like sky view it, whatever. That's what I'm doing right now. How'd you know? Yeah, because you always fact check me. I'm just kidding. New Zealand. No, I'm just curious. I like to look at like what you're talking about. Right. It actually looks like looks white in compared to the other islands. That's why. Oh, okay. Um, a lot of you are probably like, what the fuck is a stratovolcano? We haven't talked about yet. Um, so a stratovolcano or a composite volcano is a cone or conical volcano. Um, typically the classic volcano shape that we think, like the nice pretty point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's built up by many layers of hardened lava and tephra. Unlike shield volcanoes which is kind of a flatter, lower-profile volcano and erupts very thin, viscous lava. We've talked Mm, about this before. Viscous. A stratovolcano erupts highly viscous lava and has a steep profile with a summit crater. So again, that conical point, very tall, and it has a crater in the center where the vent is. Right. So Just like the paper mache... No, paper paper mache? Yeah, paper mache volcano. Yeah, where you put the baking soda down. Yeah. Um, the classic volcano. And again, if you remember from our Mount St. Helens episode, if you haven't gone to listen to that, go listen to it. The higher viscosity, the thicker it is, the more violent eruptions come from that volcano because it's sticky, it builds up a lot of pressure, and then it explodes versus leaking and oozing. Right. Um, so these volcanoes, the stratovolcanoes, go through periods of explosive intervals due to the high silica viscosity of the lava, and they are extremely volatile. A lot of these volcanoes have a collapsed summit crater from the multiple ex- explosions, 
and it's called a calderas. Right. Mount St. Helens, perfect example. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So for those who didn't know, and probably most have guessed, most of New Zealand is actually formed by plate, or I'm sorry, tectonic plate activity. Right. It's right, right along, wow, here we go. It is right along the Australian and Pacific plate line. They love it when you call them Australians, by the way. Which they're not. I know. They hate it. I was I, being facetious. Well, it makes sense. <laughs> um, I actually almost called this the Australian um, Pacific fault line. So we're going to learn a little bit more. So for those who didn't know, a tectonic plate is where two massive plates meet. The continents are on top, right? Um, tectonic plates have all our geology on top of them. But a fault line is actually a fracture zone on top of or within a tectonic plate. Like the San Andreas fault line, that's not actually a tectonic plate gap. Right. That's actually a fracture that goes up the entire right next to the Rockies right. over there. Not right next to, but over mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And... That's kind of the difference, because I actually didn't know. Um, but yes, the, the fracture two parts, they kind of interact on the surface level, but not the full expansiveness down and through the entire tectonic plate. Right. So, yeah, quick side note. So back to the island. Um, it's located in the Bay of Plenty, and it's roughly only 800 acres. It is the most active volcano in New Zealand and has been active for the last 150,000 years. It had a continuous eruptive cycle from 1975 to 2000 with subsequent eruptions in 2012, 2016, and what we're talking about today, 2019. And at the end, we're going to talk about where it's at today because it's looking a little suspicious. A little sus? It's a little sus. <laughs> so I'm looking at a picture of this, <clears throat> and it's like this protruding like city, and then there's just this fucking mountain on an island. Yep. That's, that's a, the mountain? That's the mountain. <laughs> it's crazy. It looks like man-made or something. It's sinister. <laughs> it's like ominous as fuck. Like you, I can't imagine it's like, put yourself, stand on that shore and you just look out and you see this fucking... Yeah, and on Google Images, there's also people like at the top of it taking pictures down at the city. Right, it's well. a massive tourist attraction, like... Thousands of people. Actually, I have the exact number. Oh, wait. Look, more than 18,000 <laughs> tourists explore White Island each year. There you go. There you go. Fuck ton of people. And honestly, when I'm surprised it's not more. That could be completely off, but from... 18,000 per year? Per year. Yes. That sounds, that's quite a lot. It's. I mean, it's a lot, but cruise ships go to this place, so... Mm. Yeah. Anyways, um, so on December 9th at 2.11 p.m., 47 people were blasted by an eruption engulfing them in smoke and covering them in deadly acidic rain. Great. That's where we're going to start. Shit. Obviously, White Island has been very, if you had listened to the dates before, it's very active volcano. Um, even with the frequent eruptions, cruise ships, tour boats, and travelers love to visit White Island and explore the active volcano. You have to charter a boat from North Island in New Zealand to get brought over to White Island. From there, you go on these little rafts. So you go from a bigger boat, you have to get on rafts because the boat can't go to the full shore. And then you go to a little dock and dock off. Nice. From there, you can hike to the caldera, explore the coastline, and explore the long abandoned sulfur mines down below. Not going to do that. No. <laughs> hell hell that. no. And it's not really like digging down. It's just like walking through like some old structure shit. So oh, okay. it's not super deep. Good. 
The town Fakatani, spelt with a W-H, it's really deceiving, uh-huh. east of the Bay of Plenty, relies on the tourism to support this quaint area in the Maori tribe that lies within. Since 2016, the volcano's sulfur dioxide gas levels were slowly increasing. In October 2019, the volcano itself had intermittent volcanic tremors, and the sulfur dioxide levels were at their highest to date, obviously suggesting a volcanic eruption was imminent in the future. On November 18th, the volcano had climbed to a volcanic alert level 2, meaning that there is a moderate to heightened volcanic unrest. Because it's an educational podcast, we're going to learn all these alerts because they're important. Uh, (laughs) Yay! Yay! It's really easy. The volcanic alert system runs from 0 to 5, with 0 being no volcanic unrest and no magmatic eruption foreseen. 1. Magnetic, didn't you? (laughs) It's... A level one is a minor volcanic unrest with hydrothermal or magmatic and tectonic disturbance. Two is moderate to heighten volcanic unrest with probable intrusion of magma at depth, depth only, potentially leading to an eruption. A five kilometer permanent danger zone is established when no one may enter. Just as a side note, this this number two is important because that's where the volcano was at when all these tourists went on Mm -hmm. into a danger zone. A level three is a minor volcanic eruption with magna near the surface, and activity could lead to an eruption within days or weeks. An eight-kilometer permanent danger zone is established, as this is the highest level unrest of unrest without magmatic activity. Mm-hmm. Severe tremors and earthquakes are present. Four is a moderate volcanic eruption with magmatic processes underway, so actively erupting. Right. Nine-kilometer... Um, uh, permanent danger zone is established. The eruption is imminent. There's no turning back now. And five is a major volcanic eruption with life-threatening conditions that can harm the entire communities or sections of civilization. Right. So as we all know, there's usually a trigger to a volcano eruption. So on November 24th, a 5.9 earthquake occurred and was felt as far south of Cur- uh, Cursed Church which is roughly halfway down the southern island. Um, so for those who don't know, New Zealand is kind of split with a little blip in between the North Island and the Southern Island, kind of this like sloping crescent moon shape. Yep. That's about 600 miles away is where that earthquake was felt as far as. Damn. So as we all know, with the Mount St. Helens episode, an earthquake can be a catalyst that a volcano needs <laughs> to accelerate the volcanic eruptive processes. The island itself is monitored by the company GNS Science with three cameras, a seismograph, and a microphone. Volcanologists monitor it regularly with soil samples, water samples, and to check the gases. They also do land surveillance to see if the surface can bulge, shift, or change, which we know is very fucking important to note. Mount St. Helens people. (laughs) Yep, we learned that last time. So we're going to be talking a lot about the tourism company White Island Tours. Um, so when you go into like, go buy a tour, this is, um, well, let me backtrack. On December 9th, when these tourists went in to go buy their tickets, or if they had a pre-made ticket, a pre-bought ticket, not pre-made, this warning was posted on their website of that day. So Wakari White Island is currently on alert level two. This level indicates moderate to heightened volcanic unrest, and there is a potential for eruption hazards to occur. 
White Island Tours operates through the varying alert levels, but passengers should be aware that there is always a risk of eruptive activity regardless of the alert level. White Island Tours follows a comprehensive safety plan which determines our activities on the island at the various levels. Enter at your own risk. Okay. They tried to say that this simple sentence saved them for the negligence they had and the complete lack of safety plans to get people off of this island. It was embarrassing. It sounds like a... Let's just throw this catch-all statement so if anything horrible goes wrong... It saves them. Kind of, yeah. Right. And again, remember, an alert level two is a five-kilometer zone where you don't fucking enter. Right. You don't go in. Maybe, so this is the most recent volcanic alert systems, but I don't think it's changed in the last three years. There's no fucking way. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It pisses me off. Because, again, this is something that I would do in a heartbeat. I would go fucking do this. But if these stupid fucks didn't tell me this, you serious? Okay, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, a Royal Caribbean cruise named Ovation of the Seas was on a 12-day cruise around New Zealand from Sydney, Australia. Ovation of the Seas was created and launched by April 8th in 2016, and it typically sails in Seattle during the northern summer and then goes down to Sydney, Australia during the southern summer. So it chases the seasons. Right. They had ported at Tarangua the morning of December 9th as part of the normal itinerary, and every passenger on the ship was offered a day trip pass to White Island as an excursion. There was a huge selling point for the actual cruise of itself because visiting White Island was very popular. Those who did the excursion were given a brochure to explain the details of the tour. And then eerily on the front of the brochure, it says in red bold letters, Volcano, handle with scare. It's weird. It also stated that helmets and gas masks would be provided so tourists could get as close as possible to the steam vents, streams, and famous Acid Crater Lake. Acid Crater Lake. Yes, you can't. That's a place that I want to go. You can't touch it for sure. Well, yeah. Rowan, baby. (laughs) Guests were told to wear closed-toed shoes and and prepare for a strenuous hike. About 100 tourists were loaded on three boats called the PJ-4, Phoenix, and the Tapua Fakari for a six-hour tour. All of these boats were run by the White Island Tour Company. PJ-4 departed first at 9.30 a.m., followed by the Phoenix at 10.30 a.m., and then finally the Tapua Fakari, which I just call Fakari for short, at 11.30 a.m. The ferry is roughly an hour to an hour and a half to get to the little raft boats that they need to get to the dock. Right. So, 90 minutes. Two helicopters from a company called Volcanic Air was chartering tourists to the island, roughly the same time as the boat tours. One of the helicopters was piloted by pilot Brian Brian DePau, who was bringing four German tourists with him. On the Phoenix boat, there's two Brazilian tourists named Alessandra Kaufman and his wife Arlene who decided to document his entire excursion this day by vlog. This is how we obtained most of our footage from the accident to this day. Damn. Good thing they were vlogging. Boat passengers were given a small metal cone with a colored dot as a boarding pass, and this was to document a physical record of how many passengers was on board. Crew members wore orange hats and striped shirts for easy identification, especially near the steam vents, and it can get smoky up there. So the crew members loaded passengers on six to ten rafts from the three boats and helped them onto a jetty, which is a small island, um, a small dock on the island itself. Hmm? It's truly the only way to get on the island due to the volcanic rotten debris everywhere. 
So it's just like sticking up out of the water. Damn. Passengers were warned that to always stay between the guides, not to touch any water, rocks, or steam that they may see. There was a boiling hot pond and bubbling pools that's over 100 degrees Celsius or 212 degrees Fahrenheit. As tourists climbed closer to the top, a lot of them started putting their gas masks on. The path was very rocky with yellow sulfur crystals and small water streams with algae that turned the rocks green-brown and all various shades of red. It's kind of like this like surreal experience to walk through it with all these like beautiful colors and stuff. Right. And Crater Lake at the top is pretty famous. It's a famous acid lake. Though it's not really as hot as the um, the bubble pools, the bubbler pools, um, it's typically covered by steam. But when the wind blows just right, you can catch kind of a glimpse of all the colors and stuff that's beneath the surface from the algae. It's pretty wild. Continuing from Alessandro's footage, the tour group from the Phoenix started back down the mountain path. You can hear the guide talk about the steam and not to get too close to the bubbling pools. They were actually able to visualize Brian DePau's helicopter on the landing pad as they walked by when they were vlogging. They also walked through the abandoned sulfur mines and then started towards their departure. The sky was clear and the day was gorgeous. And during this time, Alessandro looked down at his watch and saw 1.49 p.m. Really pretty footage. I would actually, that 10-minute video is really interesting to go through and watch. If you guys get the chance to do it, I definitely would. Was it on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Very easy to find. PJ4 boat had completed the tour and was on its way back to the mainland. This is the first boat that went over. The Fakari boat, third and last, had just arrived around 1 p.m. with 42 passengers and crew members. They were divided into two groups of 19 and started their trek up the mountain, including 24-year-old Stephanie Browett and her 21-year-old sister Crystal and their father Paul. Their mother had decided to stay on the cruise ship and not go. They were on a cruise for Crystal's 21st birthday and actually made a quick decision at the last second to do the tour. Great. Mm. <clears throat> the passengers from the Phoenix were fully boarded by 2 p.m. and the first helicopter from Volcanic Air had actually departed at 2.05. Brian DePau was getting his four passengers loaded up and was planning to take off in just a couple minutes. Past that time. So another. So going back to Crystal and Stephanie, they were actually also documenting some of their trek up the mountain. Their tour guide was explaining to them that the volcano was at an alert level two, approaching level three. Literally meaning an eruption. The tour guide was extremely anxious, and he actually decided to cut the tour short and head back down the mountain early due to his worry about the level two classification. Tourists and guides had started to notice the color of the steam on Crater Lake had turned from white to charcoal black. Oh. Right before they were ushered down the mountain, Steffi and her family took a photo with the steam background, and you can see the black smoke coming from the crater with the white smoke remaining. So that's the photo. Oh, shit. So the steam, so that in the photo, it kind of looks whitish, but if you look up a normal picture, it's like crystal clearish. Crystal clear, yeah. And you can see the black in the background. Yeah. Within seconds of the photo, the tour guide screamed, run. Run. Crystal's phone was recording the entire time the tour group was running down the mountain in absolute chaos. And at 2.11 p.m., the volcanoes erupt with tourists within feet. Feet of the vent. Shit. The victims were blasted off their feet from the eruption and then completely engulfed in acid smoke. The right. The smoke was charring their skin and scathing their lungs as everyone starts to scream in panic. Jesus Christ. 
The ground was burning their feet, and skin started sagging off their bodies, and fingernails were ripped fully from nail beds. From the... Just from the explosion itself. Jesus. And the acid, and the heat. And then looking back on it, this was after they went back and analyzed it, there was actually two eruptions that happened. The first was a massive steam eruption that went purely vertical, and then the second was a pyroclastic flow eruption going horizontal and downward towards everybody. Oh, Jesus Christ. So the passengers from the Phoenix, who were in the water, saw a massive black mushroom cloud just shoot up from the center of the island out of the blue. They're out in the ocean, and they're right. looking back at this. And it was captured by Alessandro, so that's why part of the his footage is so... Like sketchy because you just he didn't catch when it like blew up but he catches like holy shit and he brings it back and it's like holy god it's like what the fuck um the people in the boats had no choice but to look up and watch as they visualized people on the rim of the volcano screaming in, in utter chaos looking at his footage the entire island gets completely engulfed in smoke within like a minute they're speeding away and the smoke actually starts to catch up to the boat itself and so the boat ends up parking behind a large, like, rock structure, um, and they start calling the Coast Guard for help. Damn. So just a quick reminder on, like, a hydrothermal eruption. It's basically when water inside the vent gets rapidly converted to steam, creating a massive explosion. Um, the boiling water that does not get converted actually can be as hot as 570 degrees or even hotter, and then ejected at hundreds of miles an hour to rain down on people. And a lot of these acid rains, or well, a lot of these rains contain acids, like sulfuric acid and stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah. So it contains hydrofluoric acid, sulfuric acid, and a lot of superheated gases and rocks as well. These hydrothermal explosions also eject debris and ash straight into the air, as we all know. So you're basically getting smoke, acid rain, heat, boiling hot water and debris and it's almost unsurvivable not to mention again the ground around them also is heating up from the magna rising right as yeah. well jesus it's crazy so at the time of the eruption 47 people were on the island with 38 of them being passengers on the cruise ship there was one group of 19 trapped at crater lake while the other group was down closer to the shore Brian DePaz's helicopter was thrown from its landing pad and its rotors were completely bent in half and some of them were ripped off from the force of the explosion, making Jesus. it useless. That's a huge... I, I, I imagine, like, you know, boom, and everyone's like, oh, my God. It sounds like it's like... No, this knocked people from their feet and burnt them instantly. Yeah, just... <clears throat> Literally insane. Wow. Damn. So, as we know, the Phoenix was docked not too far away, um, and their plan was actually to bring back the Fakari and use, or to bring in the Fikari and use the Phoenix to charter everyone off the island. But first, they needed to get everyone off the mountain and into the rafts as fast as possible. It was hard to do this safely because everyone was in chaos. And the burns that the victims experienced already were horrific. One man who was climbing down the ladder onto the ship was said to see that his skin was sliding off of his body already. <sighs> The victims were severely burned with varying stages of burns on their bodies. Um, and so at first your skin starts to blister and then it can char off. Or if there's a high hemi uh, chemical slash heat component, it melts it off of your body instead. Great. 
When exposed to a toxic smoke, your lungs gather fluid and your tongue and sinus cavities will swell and then the body can go into shock. It's very important for burn victims to get treatment as soon as possible before they succumb to their injuries, typically within an hour. It's called the golden hour. Oh. Obviously, they're 90 minutes away, so this is a problem. <clears throat> right. The group down near the shore and the tour guides were pulled off the island immediately, luckily. They were loaded onto the Phoenix and started their way back to the mainland in hope for search and rescue to arrive. Phoenix crew member Paul Kingy and the captain David Pluse started to scan the island for more survivors. As they scanned the island, they saw someone emerge from um, the ash itself. Jesse Langford was a 19-year-old who was at the crater when the volcano erupted. His entire body, even under his clothes, was severely burned. Captain David took Jesse to the Vicari, and Paul stayed behind to continue searching for survivors. Search and rescue helicopters and Coast Guard had still not arrived. People who were wearing, well, people were wearing anything from multiple protective layers to simply just like t-shirts and shorts because it was a warm day. Right. Those who had the least clothing obviously had the worst burns and it covered most of their bodies. <clears throat> Damn. Those with the worst burns had no skin left at all, and it just dripped off their body kind of like in a candle wax manner. The passengers who were not injured helped those who were. They covered exposed muscle with scraps of clothes. They poured cold water on burns to cool the skin and keep the victims comfortable on the bumpy charter. Ash was scraped from eyes and nasal passages and airways. Jesus. It's excruciating because any sun, like wind, or can you imagine the salty sea spray had to have been excruciating and painful. Just being alive is painful at that point. Right. Have you ever, like, burnt? If you haven't burnt, like, anything (laughs) significant besides, like, the tip of your finger, you know how for, like, a week or more how painful and sensitive that area is. So if you put that to a third degree all over your body, it's why a lot of people don't survive. Yeah, just from pain alone. Right. So the victims ranged in various levels of consciousness from wailing screams to a state of shock and coma-like. As passengers cleaned ash from wounds, their screams only got louder, to the point where the captain had to tell people to stop recording. Jesus. When victims were crying in distress, passengers, you know, this, this makes me feel better or better for humanity, but passengers just actually like, just held them and pressed their like burning and melted bodies to them to just comfort them. A lot of people were just be like holding them while they screamed. Jesus. So as you can imagine, the explosion was also viewed from the mainland. Coast Guard was being bombarded with calls and finally they or they dispatched and deployed 11 rescue choppers who were equipped as flying emergency rooms. But the choppers were not sent to White Island. They were told it was too dangerous to land so and they instead deployed to Fakatani to, bur- to the, get the burn victims and then transfer them to the mainland burn centers as fast as possible. Okay. It pissed me off so fucking bad to hear that. So, like, don't land on the island. Just wait, you know, 90 minutes for these people to arrive. When It's like a 10-minute flight. It's crazy. Why would... I mean... Yeah, I don't know. That, that just seems weird. Luckily, they deployed a couple more helicopters. Um, so, we'll talk about some people who really, like, took some time and sacrificed a lot. Um, John Funnel, who is a 69-year-old service rescue veteran... Jason Hill, Tom Story, and Mark Law all took three helicopters with no clue what they were um, flying into. They only just saw the thick smoke rising from the island, and they went straight to the island. 
there were people with severe burns and people laying face down in the dirt as they were looking down upon and doing a surveillance loop. Holy shit. At 3.05, Tim Burrow and Graham Hopcroft took off in a fourth helicopter to assist the other three. Funnel was the first pilot to survey the scene, and his job was to circle the island and report back to the other three helicopters as they were going to land on the island. The other helicopters were in communication with the Coast Guard and the police force via cell phone. The chopper started to land, and they saw the mangled helicopter from DePauw's and realized the severity of the blast itself. The pilots exited their choppers and stepped down into over a foot of ash. Even with gas masks and respirators on, their throats were burning and their eyes were stinging from severe pain. Jesus. Funnel reported a group of survivors up near um, Crater Lake, including Stephanie, Crystal, and her family. They were all laying down from the blast and the burns. Most were not moving. Stephanie's dad, Paul, was calling his daughter's names every few minutes to make sure they stayed awake and were still alive. So then pilots immediately took off running towards Crater Lake to find any survivors. Most of the 19 victims were found around the crater and the rim, but blasted, you know, down the mountain a little bit. Jesus, yeah. Their burns were so severe, their skin was blackened or completely sloughed off. Lots of victims were unconscious and in various states of shock, and one woman was vomiting ash and blood, which is... The pilot's job was to prep the victims for transport and stabilize anyone while they waited for those helicopters or for paramedics. So these four helicopter guys thought that the other 11 helicopters were going to come and grab people and then ferry them off. Right. Stephanie reported that when she asked, um, they were saying that help was coming in another 20 minutes, search and rescue would be there soon, and that they're on their way. And everyone's like, where are they? We need help. Like, they kept asking, like, just 20 more minutes. Well, they'll be here. Three more victims were found away from the group and face down and unconscious near um, the stream that came off of Crater Lake. They found footprints that suggested multiple people who made it to the shore actually went back to find other survivors and put gas masks on those who were still alive, which is kind of cool. The pilots at the crater were radioed with awful news. Um... John Funnel had picked up the rescue choppers and was ordered to stay um, away from the island. And the 11 helicopters that were initially ordered to go were sitting ducks near Fakatami. So they realized at this point that no one was coming to help. Right. And they were also ordered, the remaining four pilots, were to get off the mountain itself. They're like, it's too dangerous, you need to go. St. John's medical director, Dr. Tony Smith, made the call to the helicopters and ordered to not risk the lives of the pilots. But the three other helicopters who had already landed were begging for a change of decision. These pilots are not medics and only know basic first aid, but they didn't care at this point. So Mark was the first pilot to act. He stated that they were going to break quarters and get these victims off the island. Jason and Tom followed suit. It was up to them to get these victims away from the volcano because it's at a level two going on three, and it could erupt again. You just never know. Damn. So Jason ran down the path to get his helicopter, and he loaded five victims and took off as fast as possible. Stephanie's dad, Paul, made her go first, so she was in one of the first helicopters. The pilot talked to her the entire time in the air because she was in and out of consciousness. She later stated that Jason had saved her life by keeping her awake. Mark was uh, went down the mountain and got his helicopter next. 
As they were trying to load up his helicopter and checking victims, he found that many people had already perished in that half an hour that they were up there with them. Yeah. Mark was carrying 15-year-old Zoe Hosking to his helicopter, but she was lifeless. He ended up loading her anyways, but she died in the air. Her mother was the victim throwing up the blood and ash, but she survived. Wow. Shockingly. Yeah. And unfortunately, her father died in the initial blast. So then Tom grabbed his helicopter and he grabbed the remaining victims that were left that were alive. Um, They were able to ferry 12 victims away from the crater. Tom came back to the island and then he landed again after he got rid of his or set down his three victims. He then started stacking up deceased bodies to get them closer together for future transport because he's just a G. Yeah. Like who goes back to think of that? Like he wanted to make sure. Damn. This is where the Coast Guard started to intercept. The Coast Guard found Tom stacking up bodies and made him leave due to unsafe conditions. Oh, shit. They then went to the Phoenix and boarded them to... I'm sorry, so the the Coast Guard went to the Phoenix and boarded them to start treating victims for pre-arrival to the hospital. The families on the cruise ship, um, on the cruise ship had no idea the volcano had erupted. Um, they also oh had no idea they may never see their families and loved ones again. Right. The, the only way they found out was someone saw a news report and then it kind of went off on the ship itself. And once the news got out, families rushed off the boat to the hospitals to see if anyone had, of their family had survived. What's sad is if, if they had just come out and told them, a lot of these family members might have been able to make it into their family right before they died. But a couple people missed like seeing them one more time by a couple minutes. They just died a few minutes before. Christ. The other shitty thing is the victims' families were told that the bodies on the island were to remain there until it was safe to return. Unfortunately, there was a huge rainstorm that night causing a cascade of mud and ash, basically undoing all of Tom's work and making it so some of the bodies were never found again. By the end of the day after the initial explosion, and out of the 47 people on the island, 5 were confirmed dead, 8 were missing and presumed dead, and 34 injured. Out of the 34, seven were critically injured. Four days after the explosion, military personnel returned back in hazmat suits. They recovered six out of eight of the bodies um, that were missing in that initial pile. In the following days, immediately after the explosion as well, three more people perished at the hospital, bringing the death toll to 14. Then again, over the next two days, two more more victims died in the hospital, bringing it to 16. The two bodies were still not recovered by this point, and they were presumed dead, so we're at 18. One of the tour guides, Hayden, his body, he was one of the two presumed dead. They actually found his body in the ocean. His body was getting recovered when rescuers dropped it in a deep hole in the ocean, and they were not able to find him again. They just dropped his body back into the ocean. Great. <laughs> so they at least identified him, but then they fucking dropped him. Hey, so <sighs> we found your dead son. Um, but we dropped him. Here's the thing, though. We uh, <clears throat> lost grip, and he <laughs> fell in the ocean, and we could never find him again. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's too bad. It sucks. On December 22nd, another American woman perished from her injuries. 
Then one month later, two more people perished from their injuries, bringing it to 21 deaths total. One of the German men on Volcanic Air, um, he died from his injuries in July. Like, months later. Like, six months later. Damn. And bringing the final death toll to 22. So, 22 out of 47 people. Some of the victims were burnt so badly, they had to use DNA evidence and forensics to confirm who they were. Out of those who died, 14 were Australian, 5 were United States or Americans, 2 were New Zealand, 1 was German. New Ze- oh, this is, this is wild. New Zealand had to order over 1.2 million centimeters squared of skin from the U.S. and Australia to treat the burn victims for grafts. Some had burns that covered 95% of their bodies, and a lot of burn patients were shipped to Australia and various hospitals for, fi- for fresher, like, supplies. Jesus, wow. For those who don't know, the survival threshold for burns is about 30%. If you burn 30% of your body, you expect there's a risk of death after that, and it just keeps going up the more burns you get. Right. Probably due, mostly due to infection, I assume? Infection, um... You can get severely dehydrated. You can't keep water. It's kind of like your veins and arteries can open up like sieves as well. Right. Like there's there's a lot of complicating factors, but infection is huge, yeah. um, which is my next statement. You're at severe risk for infection, anemia, dehydration. You can go into a coma and just shock in general because yeah. of the pain. Right. So they have to typically medically induce you into a coma so you can survive this. And it's weeks <sighs> and weeks, Christ. sometimes months. For those who don't know, most practitioners use the rule of nine to assess um, the percent of body damage for an adult, um, for burns. Children are a little bit different. So each arm is worth 9%. The anterior aspect of the truncal area, so the front part of your torso, is 18%. Genitalia is 1%. That's rude. <laughs> your head, face, and neck is 9%. Yeah, I burnt my genitalia off. Yeah, you're only 1% burnt. <laughs> Each leg is 18%, and your posterior truncal area is 18%, or, you know, the back of your your torso. Gotcha. That's so fucking funny. I bet how many people, like, drop boiling water in their laps, and they're like, it's 1%. It's, it's more than 1%. Like, come on. <laughs> it's 1%. <laughs> it's fucking rude. It's so funny. It's so rude. All right, so let's talk about the aftermath and kind of today. So right after the eruption, the volcanic level or volcanic alert level was raised to four, but then decreased to three a few hours after that on the same day. By December 12th, the alert was back down to a two. Cool. Starting, mm-hmm. starting point. The departure of the ovation of the seas was delayed for D- excuse me, DNA collection of the victims for identity purposes. November 30th, 2020, so a year and a little bit uh, just under a year later, WorkSafe New Zealand filed charges against 13 parties and tour companies and the owners for failure to ensure the safety and health of the workers. Unfortunately, though, this included the pilots from Kahook Helicopters and Volcanic Air who stayed to save the victims. Oh, my God. Which were the four guys from above. Right. But on December 6, 2020, there was 89,000 signatures to petition that the prosecution get dropped from these men. 
Legal actions were taken up against Royal Caribbean for negligence and failure to warn passengers who had signed up for the excursion. Say December of 2020? Yes, December is, 6, uh, 2020. This is like in the middle of COVID. A year later. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, the 2019 was right before COVID. Well, it was but obviously... January of 2020 was like when... March 14th was the lockdown. Right. Our first confirmed case of COVID in the U.S., I think they tracked it to October of 2019, but we didn't know it was a problem. Right. So, but things ramped up January of 2020. by December of and February, it's like... We didn't know, but we were, it was more aware where we're like, oh, something might be happening. Right. To this day, the volcano is still active. From October 19th to October 25th this year, there is reported unrest at White Island Volcano with steam eruptions, intermittent gas, and ash eruptions over two weeks. Though sulfur emissions were still low on October 7th during a flyby, Gas emissions and venting increased by October 19th on the north and northwest side of the lake. Volcanic level is at 2, with the aviation color code on yellow. Jeez. And that's still to this day. It's at a 2 right now. So that is it. That was the entire bullshit with lack of protocol on everybody and chaos. Yeah. Thanks they, to these uh, like four guys that stayed behind, <clears throat> you know, doing these fun tour excursions. Like, screw it, we're gonna stay and help these people. Yeah, that's literally uh, worst case scenario. Like they were at the fucking top. Like right when it happened. Right. I want to know what that guy saw besides the black ash. Like, what did he see to tell people to run? Maybe he was like. Because it sounds, it sounded like he was like on edge about it the whole time, but then he saw something that was like, oh shit, that something's like, about this to happen. Is actually, right. That's what I want to know. What did he see? Did right. he just see that black ash, the black cloud, or you know, instead of steam, or yeah, or maybe he, yeah, I don't know. I don't That's know. It's fucking wild though. But he saw something or, or heard something or whatever, and was like, fuck. Right. <clears throat> yeah. What a crazy story. So, what? Did you ever go back to the mother that stayed behind? Because you said, like, the daughter, she was, like, 21, and her dad... On the cruise ship? Yeah, and her mom was like, I'll stay here. They ha- So, S- Stephanie and her family have a lot of interviews as well. You could go back and do... Um, so, she's, you could do a whole she survived. Epi- yes. Oh, yep, okay. her and her sister and her dad survived. You could do, do a whole episode just off of their perspective of the thing. Oh, but shit. I tried to pull from, like, all angles. So yeah. they they kind of vlogged as well. Alessandro's was good, but it was just a lot of, like, the first, like, eight, nine minutes were just them, like, ooh, ah, steam, bubbly water, ooh, don't touch. <laughs> and then the last couple minutes were, like, the explosion and shit. So it was interesting, but not enough for that. But Stephanie, she did a lot of TV interviews and stuff like that. Mom did as well, so. I can't imagine the mom's perspective of that, like... I don't even want to know. <laughs> she said, and she also said, you know, the pilot saved her life. Right. So, it's, it's wild. It's super wild, but, like, it, why this one hit me so bad? Because it's like, that would be stuff I want to do, you know? Like, that's that stuff is cool, doing those excursions. I've done excursions. They're wild. Yeah, I don't know if I would actually go to the top of a volcano active or not, though. I would go. The The one in Hawaii is active all the time. It's always, like, seeping lava, and people fucking walk by lava. Yeah. 
but I guess it depends on that's I don't know if that's a stratovolcano or not apparently it's safe enough to walk around right <laughs> just don't touch the the danger juice the danger juice the danger juice so the magmatic formula <laughs> <laughs> fucking crazy <laughs> But yeah, this was a really interesting story. Very recent too, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised I hadn't heard about it till now. Right. I'm surprised you haven't either. It's weird. Yeah. So, well, I hope you enjoyed another volcano episode. It's like your niche at this point. I mean, I should just be a volcanologist. You know, my secondary passion. There you go. No, thank you. No. Volcano. <laughs> I had nightmares for decades as a kid. Wait, de- I'm not even decades old. For years as a kid. For decades, I had nightmares. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm pretty good at that. Stop. That... Should, I make, should that be my latest TikTok? Yeah, sure. Whatever. You might as well just keep on going with that shit. Like, old man reacts. Back in my day, Jesus. we used to have to walk up a volcano to go to school. <laughs> um... <clears throat> Um, in the rain. Um, um, how about, I don't know, you guys send us a Gmail if you think he should do that. <laughs> Let's do a whole episode where I'm an old man. Or Smeagol. Oh, please stop with that. I can't out myself. No, no one really knows about that. No, so you probably shouldn't say shit. Okay, anyway, um, if you uh, like the episode, give us a, or uh, have any suggestions for ep- future episodes. Um, feel free to visit us at starmints.live or send us an email at starmintspodcast at gmail.com. At gmail.com. And check out our swag. It's perfect for the Christmas season. It is. You better order, or by the time this comes out, you better order now because it's less than two weeks, bitches. bitches. Tighten it up. If you guys haven't finished Christmas shopping, you give me anxiety. I haven't finished. You give me anxiety. (laughs) I I, I have like two more people to shop for. Fuck, you better hurry up because Amazon is backing up. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us and we'll catch you in the next one. I Um, suppose I could probably tease it. Hello. Um, Yes, hello. What is it? I'm going to be talking about (gasps) quantum computing. Boo. No boo. It's awesome. It's like even, the coolest even thing Even Rowan's ever. like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's da, super da, cool. Da. We're going to talk about, like, it's going to be a lot more quantum mechanics than it is, like, quantum computing. But we're also going to talk about, like, what sorts of things we could accomplish in the near future or right now with quantum computing, which is really, really cool. I hope you're doing this as third grade level education because I don't know shit I all. am, and I have a really good analogy, like I do every time. <laughs> Is this leading up to, like, a quantum entanglement episode? (gasps) I I don't know if I could do a whole episode on quantum entanglement, but we might talk about it a little bit. Who knows? We should, because that's new and cool. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.